This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, and even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Booksplode, the new Avengers Volume 1 Breakout. Welcome to Book Explode. I'm Connor Kilpatrick. I'm here with Josh Flanagan. 
Hello. And we are talking about the New Avengers Volume 1 Breakout. Booksplode is the book review show brought to you by the patrons who unlocked it at patreon.com slash ifanboy. And we take a look at a collected edition or original graphic novel or something other than your regular weekday comics or weekly comics, as I should, I should say. And we thought with Bendis starting up at DC, the big, the big move he made earlier this year, that we should go back and take a look at really the book that it didn't start him off at Marvel, but really launched the Bendis era at Marvel. As a, as a sort of guy who steered the ship. Yeah. I mean, he'd clearly written before. At, yeah. uh, he had even written the previous issues of this, this series, but this was the book that really launched him as the guy who shaped the Marvel Universe for the next 13 years in some capacity. Mm-hmm. So, the New Avengers Volume 1 breakout, uh, it includes the New Avengers 1 through 6, and as we were figuring out before the show, it was really, it was really hard to figure out or remember where the Avengers were uh, at this point. We had been, we were obviously, at the time, this was 2000, and at the end of 2004, we figured out, right? Yeah. We were, we were doing iFanboy, we were basically a year away from starting the podcast. I was always an Avengers kid when, when, I, when it came to the Marvel Universe. That was my corner of it. Our old co-host, Ron, he was an X-Men guy. but I, was a, I, was a, I read the X-Men, but I was an Avengers kid. But I don't think even I was reading the Avengers at that point, before the new Avengers came along. I think I had dropped off. You, you weren't reading Jeff Johns. I don't th- think I did. So, to people listening, um, Bendis starts – the numbers get really screwed up, but I'm going to use my whole real numbers to just sort of say where we are. Bendis starts at issue 500 – Goes to five hundred four. That's Avengers disassembled. Yeah, five hundred three. It's four issues. Chuck Austin wrote a little run in there, nine issues. Uh, Jeff that. Johns. Jeff Johns wrote a few couple years uh, before that ending, and what would, what officially would be f- uh, number four ninety one. Right. So Jeff Johns, his big move was to go over to uh, to Marvel, and he was a he he was kind of a big star at DC before then, but not anything compared to what he was when he went back to DC. Yeah, I mean, he was still relatively young and new at the time. This was right. this is his only major Marvel work, right? Was. And it was a big, it was it was supposed to be a big deal, but now in retrospect, I was like, oh, he wasn't really Jeff Johns yet, in the sense that I think he would have been when he returned. Anyway, so that sort of shows you where we are. And, and Bendis had been doing, um, you know, he'd been doing Powers, he'd been doing Ultimate Spider-Man, and then right. Ultimate X-Men for a little bit, but really Ultimate Spider-Man was his his thing. And all of his indie work. Yeah. And so he, he came on for Avengers Disassemble, and basically his job was to break down the old Avengers, was to, to, to destroy them and so that he could, they could be built back up again in the new Avengers. But, but that was the storyline in which the team completely fell apart, Hawkeye was famously killed, Ant-Man died, the Vision died, and it ended with the team disbanding. No more Avengers. And then, lo and behold, we have this new book launched, the new Avengers number one. Wait, but, no more Avengers is... Don't get it confused with House of M. I know. I'm just saying that was what, that was the result of it. Was at the end there was no more Avengers. What's crazy is you know, as an Avengers fan, so I, and we were doing I fanboy, and that's that's a major comics commitment. I, no, but still, we're doing I fanboy the website. I wasn't reading Avengers. Like how I crazy is that? Uh, that's how low they'd sort of fallen. The Avengers had, had fallen in, in esteem in the, in the comics community. So it was relaunched as the New Avengers with. Brian Michael Bendis uh, writing, David oh, so, Finch on art. Sorry, interesting. Just it, yeah. this is a, a, a side note: is that the artist for Chuck Austin's run, at least the last part of it, was actually Scott Collins, who was Johns' partner on the Flash stuff that got him the job at Marvel. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, it was, a, it was a big. <laughs> just, I, well, the, the Avengers was in a weird place in, at the early two thousands. Yeah, I wasn't reading it. I think I was actually really 
moving away from a lot of the bigger superhero stuff at that point. That was my sort of you know mid twenties. Like I don't want this stuff. And it just wasn't popular. Yeah, it wasn't capturing the imagination. And so Bendis relaunches the book with the idea that this should be somewhat similar to the Justice League. We should be having much more, much more bigger, much more bigger, bigger characters, bigger name characters in the Avengers. Uh, so this is what we're taking a look at here, the first six issues of the Avengers. And so my question for you before we get into the story, Josh, is how much of this did you remember but without prompting? You mean when I was reading the book, did I go, oh, oh. Well, like, like before, you picked, no, before you picked it up uh, and you looked at the cover, the, light, the lightning striking behind the silhouetted New Avengers, did you remember what the story was? Did you remember how they came together? Did you remember what happened in that first six issues? Almost nothing. I, I think like right away when I looked at the title and I saw the beginning of it, I went, oh, right, there's a jailbreak. That's how it starts. That's about it. That's right. about all I remember. And then like I remembered the team more or less. And like who be- – I knew this was like when Luke Cage became a thing. I knew this was when Spider-Man and Wolverine were both on the team. But other than that, not so much. I sort of blew past the cover because mm-hmm. I read it digitally. And I, so I had sort of forgotten – I don't know. I'm, I'm probably just an idiot or I'm tired. But I just sort of forgotten what the lineup was. So I mean obviously I knew Captain America and, and Iron Man. And it opens up with – you know in the very beginning with Jessica Drew and Luke Cage. But then I, I I'd somehow forgotten that Wolverine was on the team, even though he just talked about Wolverine being on the team in the last podcast. So it was, there was a little bit of, su- of surprises here. And I, and I yeah. remembered the breakout part, but a lot of the details I'd forgotten. So when it's – you know early on when it's revealed that Jessica Drew is sort of a double agent, I went, oh, right, yeah, that story. And so this was – I had a hell of a fun time reading this book. Well, that's the, that was the thing, and there's 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 a great many num there's a great number of points I need to make about this yeah. as we go through, and I want to try not to forget them, but I also don't want to waste them all ahead of time. Sure. So this is this is really the thing that that captured me the most was that this is before Civil War, which is a major turning point for Marvel Comics, you know, six one six universe, wherever yeah. you want to call it. This is before the scroll. Well, the scroll stuff is after Civil War, but this is where the seed for that is planted. But it's also before the films. That's important well, as and well. And that was the other thing I was going to say is this is the last time that the voices of these characters are determined by the comic books that came before them. Right. And not the casting directors. I found that so uh, – it was, it was, I found it so refreshing. I thought, oh, this isn't Robert Downey Jr. talking to me. This is Tony Stark. In fact, he's not, he is not at all Robert Downey Jr. And he is not at all in that place in the world even. You know, he's sort of no. – He's not a he's he's he stands next to Cap in the in the cover because he's one of the founding members, but he's not the most important person on the team here. No, and uh, I think this this era beginning in early '05 and going to I want to say '08 because that's when Iron Man came out, but things didn't change immediately. But that the, the next five or ten years, I think, is probably the the with Bendis leading the Avengers, probably the like, last golden age for me as an adult of Marvel comics. Yeah. I, I really did. I got. I went. Oh, this is superhero comics to me, and it was a little like ding, ding. Like this is maybe a little of what I don't find satisfying about it now because yep. I was like, I was like, this is Captain America, and the voices were all. And and I, I actually don't want to give the impression that I think Bendis did an amazing job on everybody. I was like, you don't. Right. There was a couple of times where that's a weird thing for Captain America to say. Sure. His Matt Murdock was pretty on point because I feel like he actually did set the tone for all the Matt Murdock that came after it, and and he'd been doing that. He'd been doing Daredevil. That's yes. the other thing he was yeah. doing. His Luke Cage dialogue, notwithstanding, Luke Cage had dialogue problems, 
But I remember that too. I remember like, oh, right. He can't write black people. I remember that as a thing. But also, this is where, regardless of that, this is this is where Luke Cage became a huge deal in the Marvel Universe. Totally. Right? And, was... and everything else about Luke Cage at this point is is what you saw in the TV show. Yeah. Like, it's, it, it's, all, it's all right there, which I thought was cool. Jessica Drew, I, I remember coming out in this, and I didn't really know anything about her. No, than... because you hadn't seen her really since right. the 70s in any real and way. So... That was one of the brilliant moves in this part was to bring Spider-Woman into the team. Peter Parker, I thought was like he had he had Peter Parker down yeah. cold immediately, and it was this weird phase where Peter Parker is still a teacher, yeah. <laughs> in it at the same time, which I thought was really funny. But so he's like not quite mid, not midlife, but like he was older young adult. Yes, Peter Parker, which I don't think is is all that bad, relatively speaking. Oh, Ben is also an alias, obviously, because that leads into this. Yeah. It's, it's um. Ben is coming p- coming out of his indie work. He got Ultimate Spider-Man, he got Daredevil, and he got Alias, yep. which were all super important in different ways. But this was the book that where he was put at the center of the Marvel universe. This is the book that where the Avengers officially took over from the for the X Men as the center. After he killed Hawkeye, yeah, which I think is why I didn't read this. I'm first. sure, I'm sure. So the the main thrust of the six issues is really just there's I thought hysterically enough, it's all Electro's fault. Right away, first page is is Electro, and actually the way that the trade is built, it, it ruins the page turn. Oh, uh, because um, the if you're reading the real book, they open up the cover and you'll see the first page, and there's standing in shadow. You can see it's Electro, but and then you'd flip the page and you see him pull the mask on. But that's all. It doesn't matter. That's that's irrelevant. I one one more quick point about yeah. the movies versus the comics is that um, in addition to the characterizations, uh, the costumes here are. The Marvel Comics costumes. There's the, like Captain America looks like Captain America. They're yeah. they're slightly modified. In they're terms stellar. Of, they're so good. And so the Electro is hired to to break someone out of Rikers Rikers Island's max super, super max prison underwater. And so he in, in the course of doing that he breaks ev- not everyone out but everyone escapes and they, forty of them before forty of them get off the island forty of them and so the the new Avengers sort of come together organically in the, in the course of stopping the prison break and then also rounding up everyone else. And that's the, how the team is formed. And this is, that's the main, main, main story. It's drawn by David Finch, who is not my favorite. No, better than I thought. I thought better than I thought I would like, mostly. Times no, but a lot of times yes. Yeah, I thought he, he, he has sequences that are really good. He's got some sequences that are really bad. He's got some faces that don't emote. But... I don't know if it's the nostalgia for the period, but it, wor- it worked for me for the most part. That, 100% that. And there, there's, it, there's a, it was a really interesting time in comic book art, I think, in that, do we want to do this now or do we want to talk about that later? What? Like, like this, this art, like, like even the storytelling was like, there was, there was dashes of, of the 90s in it. Like, oh, for sure. Like, oh, this, there's, there's still some of that left over, which you kind of don't see as much now unless it's like, you know, Ed McGinnis or, or, you know, is, is put on a big book or something or like, you know, uh, Jim Lee draws something. But it was it was like really the art was of a different time. More notably, though, coloring in this, I thought, was really interesting to look at and sort of analyze because I don't think they had digital coloring down. No, yet. Frank Darmot is the colorist. He's a good colorist. But as we discussed, he did all the Captain America books that were great. One of the things we did talk about way back on the show at the time was that they even a few years later they hadn't figured out really mm-hmm. digital coloring, especially on the Marvel side. It took Marvel a long time to really tone down all the Photoshop effects and all the 
the shading, the, shading, the highlights. And yeah, stuff. so they, they Marvel face. Marvel took a longer than the other companies figure. This isn't so bad here, although I was kind of annoyed that Daredevil's hair was more brown than red. Yeah, but there were times that so you've been complaining about that for decades, apparently. Yeah. But there were times where it was like this: the, the the colorist and the and the and the art weren't working together. Yeah, and you ended up with something in between. And a lot of times it's on faces. Where now, thanks to your Dave Stewart, Jordi Belair, Matt Wilson, like they've they've learned to successfully knock a lot of that stuff out. Yeah, I mean, this was this was the early days. They had a new toy, and they hadn't really figured out how about how best to and do it, it yet. It wasn't as obscene as what had been taking place at the same time as this, and a few years earlier than this, because some of that stuff is is pretty heinous. Yeah, I had totally forgotten the centuries on the team. Okay, so okay, here's another thing that we can. <laughs> Sentry shows up, and and you know at the time, we were probably like, "This is dumb," because I don't think the Sentry thing. But I don't think I've completely given up on the Sentry. Like people were mad about it for different reasons, mostly because they tried to shoehorn him into Marvel. But now, looking back in this context, I was like, "Bring it on!" <laughs> I'm I'm so cool with you. The can't Sentry. hurt me anymore. He can't, and also like it is indicative of the time and what was going on, and I like it like that from a historical sort of standpoint. What was happening with these comics? And and so like the sentry showed up and I was like, you know what? That's interesting. <laughs> and the way that he was handled is interesting. He barely showed up in this. Like he was just yeah. in the beginning. Really great scene between Foggy and the sentry and and you know like what happens. And then he murders Carnage. Yes, he does. <laughs> Which was that the last I ever saw Carnage? Possibly. He, he, that's he, what I wondered. I was like, was that it for Carnage? He, he flew him into space and ripped him in half. Which was I was totally fine with because I hated Carnage. Right. We talk a lot about loving the bringing the team together, and this is the this is like a six issue version of that. There's just an awesome grouping he has here, and it just yeah. it it just makes a ton of sense. And I love the, even love the fact that he has Daredevil in the beginning, and Daredevil was his featured character, but he he turns it down. It's not till many years later he finally joins the Avengers. It just it was a it was just a really I thought it was a really fun. It's a really fun Avengers story. This, this it is, and, and it should be noted that like I didn't read this at the time, and I remember that Ron, Ron, I think the way that this worked was, I believe that he paid. This is how long ago it was. Yeah. He didn't Amazon them to me. I think he PayPal'd me money, and I didn't ask him to, but he p- sent me the amount of money it would take to buy the first two trades. Yeah, just how much later, and it wasn't trades didn't come out like on when the sixth, the day of the sixth issue back then. Right. So well, you were you were behind. You had to do some catching up. Yeah. Like I think he PayPal me the money. He was like, "You buy these. You buy these right now." And he was he was hundred percent right. Like, and I, I liked it right away. But going back to it, like it really did a like a recaptured a feeling for me that I was very surprised about. Well, this was we we also have talked in the past about the, our our personal eras, right? And so, two thousand was when our we graduated college. You went to Comic Con for the first time. You introduced us to a bunch of books like Powers, Transmetropolitan, Preacher, things like that. That was our first sort of reawakening with comics, more on the indie side, where we really started delving deeply into into non big two. And to be fair, stuff. go back a few years before that. Ninety seven is you introducing me to comics through right, with JLA. Grant Morrison. So, but this was this was a continuation of that era for me, in which Bendis Bendis starts running Marvel. It, it's it's incredibly compelling. It's fun. Johns goes back to DC. You've got JSA. It's you had this was a really great. And I want to say pure, but pre-movies, pre-TV shows, pre-people in Hollywood deciding how these characters look and act and, and dress. And it was this is almost the end. And it, that sounds horrible, it but is. it's almost the end of, 
comics purely being a comic form. And and I think that really stopped, not stopped, but I, I think that if you look back at it now in hindsight, like Civil War is, is, a, is a tipping point for that. While they didn't really have it cast, you know, in terms of who the movies were and everything, but it was reconfigured into what was, you know, what would become all that. So whenever you look at the Civil War stuff, you will see the the seeds for all the movies in there, and which is you know probably part of the plan that we didn't even know about, or at least a kind of thinking. Um, none of that is here. This is just let's make an Avengers comic book that is an Avengers comic book, and that is that's lost, that's gone. Yeah, which is amazing. So here your, your team ends up being Captain America, Spider Man, Iron Man, Spider Woman, Luke Cage. Wolverine and the Sentry. We won't stay that way for long, but that's basically the team as it stands in this particular story. You had great things like Luke Cage being the guy in the team who's wearing street clothes. Mm-hmm. You have Iron Man is basically just there to sort of help with the tech stuff. He doesn't really do much more than that. Yeah. He doesn't even pay for the team because Tony Stark's broke at this point. He, he kills a T-Rex. That's true. He does. He, I mean, he's pretty, like, there, there was definitely a level of he's really powerful and that's important. Yeah. Wolverine is the guy who Captain America is uneasy with, but Tony does say, listen, we need a guy who's going to cross the line because we won't. Which, by the way, is the same thing as crossing a line. (laughs) It was a great configuration. Spider-Woman was someone who was was almost a complete blank slate for most people. And she (laughs) ended up being a really interesting, compelling character. And I know you really liked her recent book, but to me, like... She's no longer that Spider-Woman that's for me. No, but also cause it was fresh and new. And I think one of the things actually really cool is that her, that design of her costume is great. It's one of the best costumes ever designed. It really is. And you kind of like 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 putting in the modern light. And it's totally you know cheesecaked out and she looks super sexy and whatever. But like it's a great costume just on its own It's merit. a great costume. And the thing is like I – sure, fine. I get why costumes are redesigned. They're mm-hmm. they're they're easier to cosplay. They're easier to translate to the to the screen. But like, this is the last sort of gasp of pure comic book costumes. Jack Kirby costumes, big bright colors and yep. and ridiculous spandex. Well, what's what's funny, Aaron, in his uh, Iron Man's costume, of course, has always changed over time. Yes. It's, depending on who does it. But this actually, like, Adi Granov, um, the I think it was Warren Ellis when he did. Um, the, what was it? What was in the third Iron Man movie? The oh yes, the extreme extremists or extremists. extremists yeah. Um, so Adi Granov did the. It, I don't remember if it's the whole books or just the covers, but basically his his covers on that determined what he looked like in the movies, and he never looked like that again. And I was like, oh, this looks like comic book Iron Man, which I had completely forgotten about. He's kind of bulky. Yeah. And it looks, you know, he's like a transformer almost. <laughs> He's got giant I remember shoulder not belts. Liking, I remember not liking it because I wanted that um, 80s one, you know, yeah. because the Marvel Secret Wars one had. But still, in this context, looking back, and I was like, oh, that's great. This is just. He even has a weird mouth. Mm-hmm. Which is, which is He doesn't spend the whole thing with his mask up. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fun. They're, they fly over the, all over the world tracking people down. They end up in the Savage Land. That's where they meet Wolverine. Who... They're in the Savage Land fighting Sauron. That's, that's the stuff. <laughs> It's, who looks like who, who looks like Namor in a lot of this? Yeah, I mean, I, I just can't tell you how much fun I had reading this. And I, it was like at the end of it, I got to the end, and you know, digitally, was like, "Do you want to get the next volume?" And I was like, "Yes, I do." <laughs> like, I don't know if I have time for it, but I definitely want to. I had exactly that experience the other day. I remembered that we were going to do this, and I'd been like, I'd had it sitting on my desk right there, and I went, "Oh, I start reading that," and I started reading it like in the middle of the workday. Like, I just like went to have a snack, and I read like two of them, and I was like. 
I don't want to stop. <laughs> I really like, I love that feel. That's why we do that. That feeling yeah. is literally why we do this. I don't want to stop. And so like I went to a, I had my kids all day. I went to a concert yesterday and I got back and like I had to stop on the way home and eat something. And I brought the book with me because I knew I would have to read it at that point. Right. And I was so happy. I was just thrilled like eating a burger and reading this old New Avengers like at 11 at night. I was like, this, this is great. So the interesting thing is that we, we talked on our Pick of the Week podcast la- this past week about how with the Avengers now, it's almost impossible to have your old school Bushima, Roger Stern kind of team with like your Black Knights or your your mm-hmm. doc, your uh, your old Captain Marvels. And so I I found that funny lamenting that, but then reading this and, and loving it so much. It's just, I mean, well, Spider I mean, Woman's it, not a big not a big A lister. Luke Cage wasn't. definitely wasn't. Yeah, Luke Cage is that is that outlier here. You, That's you, true. You know, in the context of the time, like he was nobody. He was the Tiara guy. Right. Having Wolverine on the team, on the one hand, it's a big like he's he's a heavy hitter, you know, like in sales terms. Yeah. On the other hand, it, that was a big move. Like like having him on the team is it's weird. bold. It's bold, yeah. So that so that's still a left field choice. Daredevil also, although Daredevil's not on the team, you know. And then like Sentry's like a like a Hercules kind of character, like you know. Right. So you you do have that here. That's true. You do. You're right. You're totally right. I think it's really Spider-Man and Wolverine sort of sort of make it uh, cast a longer shadow than they, they actually do. But yeah, it just but it ends up being the dynamics so great because he he's so good at writing Luke Cage, he's so good at writing Spider-Man, he ends up being really great at writing Spider-Woman. He's great at Captain America, and for a Bendis book, it's super action packed. Yep. Yeah, you're right. It was not. Yeah, it's not, not those. He he was really famous back then, more so for having these long dialogue pages where the bubbles would go back and forth, you know, right. across two two spreads. And I thought this was pretty contained. And I think that was one of the things at the time that surprised me, because all through Alias he had done that, all through Ultimate Spider-Man he had done that, where he was still largely dialogue based. And this was really big action set pieces. He hadn't yet fallen into, and I don't want to say ticks, uh, you know, writing ticks, but he hadn't yet. It's not like we're at, you know, I think at the point where we, it was where John Romita Jr. was drawing, it was where it sort of become like very yeah. self-referential Bendis. And I think here hadn't, he hadn't just hadn't gotten that point yet. He was new. So. But there was just enough of what made him great in here. Yes, I mean, like for almost sure. any, any, almost any time that Peter Parker had an interaction with somebody, like it was delightful. Yeah. <laughs> there was, a, there was, I was, I was found myself and isn't it, it's crazy. Like he never did Amazing Spider-Man right. for, for very valid reasons. But it's, it's funny because. I know he did Ultimate Spider-Man. It was important, whatever. But he never did Amazing Spider-Man, which was the book that guy was born to write. It is interesting. Yeah. I wonder why. Because he did he did Ultimate Spider-Man, and he wasn't going to be on both books. <laughs> I, th- I mean, I think that's sort of the answer. And yeah. then I think Dan Slott has been writing Amazing Spider-Man since the late '60s. Right. That's true. He couldn't. There was no way to do it. It was it was Dan Slott and Steve Ditko. <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man ripped his booty. Uh huh. So yeah, that was, and that was like a that was a really good, but he didn't have them all like saying Yiddish all over the place, right? Like that wasn't a thing. If I have complaints, yeah, I think I had mentioned this, but there's bits of Luke Cage's dialogue that I was like, that's not good. And then even more so than that, I've forgotten. And I remember that we would we talked about this. Like he's not, he was not good at the Wolverine dialogue. Like Wolverine had said things. I was like, oh yeah, he's this? he's he's very colloquial. He calls people. He says y'all. Yeah, I was like, "What the fuck is that?" Yeah, that was weird. I remember thinking it that was too. such a weird choice for somebody who's not was not new to Marvel. 
Yeah, but those things aside, which he... he the, the, the tone was right, but... Yeah. He will grow out of. Yes. I God, I had so much fun reading this. This is definitely a great... This was a great time. I think the, the part of the reason why we're doing this right now, why we're having this conversation right now, is because that time when we started at the beginning was so much fun. Yes, it was. If it hadn't been fun, if we hadn't been so, so in love with comics at the time, I, you know, we wouldn't have kept doing iFanboy for so long. Well, yeah, I mean, who knows? No, we don't know how to stop, so it, it's difficult to <laughs> it's difficult to say. No, I, I think you're right. Um, there's a bit with it. I'm just flipping through it. The bit where the helicarrier comes down in the end, and it is a hundred percent takeoff of the authority. Right. And I just like you're seeing this like nexus of influences happen here, but they're all still pre-movie, and they're all lurching towards the cinema world that we have today. But like at this point, it's really interesting and important to understand like. What we have now was unimaginable that that would be a thing. Right. Like, we had some X-Men movies, and they were fine or whatever. But, like, you know, to be the point where we're having the Infinity War. And so the amount of change that is taking place within the world of comics and this specific comic book title and property, it's, you know, tectonic. And this book went on for six years. Yeah. I mean, it ended, it ended, it was 010. I mean, 010, 2010, 2010. The movies were out, but they weren't. I don't think they had taken over at that point, you know, because that no, point, Avengers only, only, hadn't come out yet. Yeah, I mean, the, really, only only Iron Man and and Hulk. Hulk. I have a list right Iron here. Man I, can, too. I can tell you exactly, or not. I closed it. Anyway, it hadn't really taken over Marvel yet, and so you really had that pure run, that pure last hurrah for your classic Marvel. And that doesn't mean there's not great stuff happening here. There's, there's obviously great stuff happening now, but it just it was a different bothered feeling. me in this. Yep. I'm gonna while you look that up, I'm gonna I'm gonna there's a bit in the beginning where basically um Peter Parker is all they've all the first issue, by the way, with the actual breakout was fantastic. It was yes. just fantastic. Peter Parker is like in a pit of criminals and they're all going after him and um Mr. Hyde breaks his arm. Yeah. He snaps his arm in half. Um later we see him in like a we see him like a sling at the end of that issue. And then things go on as normal. There's a really great scene where Captain America goes to the school where he's teaching like the next day and Captain America's like, You came to work? And he's like, I gotta I had to work. What do you, you know, which I, and he's up he's beat to shit, which is really funny. And then like right near the end of the of the of the volume, uh, he says something about I broke my arm, I haven't slept in three days. So I was like, Right, your arm's broken. Right. You didn't have to mention that again because I had forgotten and now none of that makes sense, but that's fine. Yeah. So this this book ended in 2016. And at that point, well, we got in a lot of books. We had a lot of movies since then. Mm-hmm. New Avengers went until 2016. So by the, by the end, it was fully into the world of, sure. of, of, of comics. Volume one went to 2010, but there was okay. four volumes of it. So, but that was all. I mean, this is if anyone is looking for who's never read this before, who's come on, let's say, it's come on into comics in the last ten years and ha- came on after this this debuted. I mean, you would you'd be doing yourself a huge favor if you went and well, checked out this book. We are always we're frequently referring to the Morrison Porter JLA as sort of one of those flashpoints, and I feel like I don't think this is that far from that, and it's a little more modern, so it might be a little more palatable. Mm-hmm. Like it's not so far removed from what you know as comics today. For sure, I think I haven't read the JLA one in a little while, but I'm guessing it's a bit more '90s. A, you know, you got your your, yeah. your mullets and your you blue know. and red Superman. So, it, but also just to see, like, if you're if you're 
like want to look at the seeds of what became, you know, all those Marvel TV shows, or at least the ones that I watched. Some of that's in here. That's an it's a really interesting time, I think, for comics. And and I, I think it'd be really interesting to hear from people who listen to this, are reading comics now, and go back and read this and and see if they come away with the same thing. Like, oh yeah, comics, right? You know, but and it, it's funny because we were trying to. This actually is renumbered, so it's 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 a culprit. I mean, it's, a, it's a culprit just as much as anything else. But going back and trying to figure out the history of where this fell was really difficult because of all the renumbering that had been done. Right. Yeah, we couldn't find <laughs> there was a timeline. Mm-hmm. They're all in collections. They they all that all that stuff is collected. Is there an omnibus? There is an omnibus. If you're if you're into that kind of not you know craziness. He had on his run. He had great artists. He had Finch. He had McNiven. He had Diodato. He had Chaikin. He had Maliev, Jim Chung. Like he, those guys all throughout the the years of New Avengers. He had really great artists doing it. Mm-hmm. And this was the center of the Marvel universe. Yeah, and it, and it felt like it, like it was supposed to. That was supposed to be the point, and it succeeded in that way. Yeah. So it made me forgive him for killing off Clint Barton when that actually meant something. Now, um, we didn't give a spoiler warning, but. So here's your spoiler warning at the end of the show, but uh, for any for future issues, did he come back through Ronin? Is that when Clint first came back? Avengers, New Avengers, twenty seven. Right, but like he, that was when he came back from the dead. Was as Ronin? Was that it? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I was trying to remember that as I Although, was Although no, but Ronin was also Echo. No. Yeah. Uh, Maya. Yeah. But I don't remember the timeline for that but he he was ronin when he came back to the team right i think and that was like in the 20s of this series it was a great series and if you go back to the archives you'll see this was a pick of the week perennial this title and it still has one of the best final issues but then i think they immediately rebooted it (laughs) didn't that happen i don't remember it's irrelevant because the new avengers volume one breakout is terrific i highly recommend it brian michael bennett david finch danny mickey a lot, of, a lot of great people on it. Frank Darmada. So Ronan was originally Maya Lopez. Right. That was in New Avengers 11. Maya Lopez originally showed up in – she's a deaf woman with photographic resources. She originally showed up in the Daredevil series um, that Bendis was writing. Right. She showed up in this in issue 11. So she's going to show up relatively soon in the next volume of this basically. Second person to do Ronan – Becoming Ronan when he rejoined the New Avengers in the aftermath of Civil War. Mm. He attempted to hand the costume back to Echo after she was rescued from the hand, but Echo declined and allowed him to keep it. Clint Barton later resumed his Hawkeye identity during the start of the heroic age. (laughs) All right. That's when it all starts to go downhill. Yes. It's all tied to Hawkeye. He's the linchpin. The health of the universe, of the Marvel Universe, is tied to to the health of Hawkeye. If he's running around as Ronan. Something's wrong. Well, clearly, then, the, the health of the cinematic universe is not. <laughs> no, it's inverse. It's an inverse property for the <laughs> comics and the, and the movies. Uh, well, but it's, but it's true. Like, they had to kill him in order to restart. That's true. He was the big death. It wasn't Ant-Man and it wasn't Division. One is a founding of Avenger. The other one has been around forever. But it was Hawkeye who was the, the, one, the big death. When Scarlet Witch inadvertently alters reality, Hawkeye is resurrected with no memory or of previous events. So that's apparently the explanation. When a young mutant named Layla Miller gives several heroes, including Hawkeye, the ability to remember, he's horrified at the Scarlet Witch's actions, and Hawkeye shoots Wanda in the back with an arrow. Do you remember that? 
remember that. He's, he's always Alex. shooting people. Well, that's kind of his thing. He shot Bruce Banner in the head. He shot... In retaliation, one of her... That was great, by the way. I, 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 I like later surly Hawkeye, but I only like him in the context of it's the thing that's going to happen in the future, not in the present. Right. Make sense? That's funny. In retaliation, one of her recreated children wipes Hawkeye from existence, killing him once more. <laughs> When the Scarlet Witch's reality is eventually undone, Hawkeye is still presumed dead. However, the recently formed new Avengers find his bow and arrows on the site of the old Avengers mansion, pinning up an article about his death. Unknown to the new Avengers, we're not talking about this book anymore. Hawkeye is re- <laughs> I'm just reading Wikipedia to you, but you can't deny that this is fascinating. Hawkeye is resurrected once reality is restored. He seeks out Doctor Strange, who offers Hawkeye shelter when he comes to terms with his new life. Against the advice of Doctor Strange, he travels to Wondagore Mountain. This is in the famous closet issue, number yeah. 27. Or 26? 27, maybe. Finds the Scarlet Witch living a normal life with no memory of her past and apparently without mutant abilities. Do become intimate, of course. And Hawkeye then leaves Wanda to her normal life. Returning to the United States, he learns about the assassination of Captain America, confronts Tony Stark, who offers Hawkeye the Captain America shield. And Hawkeye is later inspired by the words of Kate Bishop. So he almost became Captain America. By That's right. I remember that. I remember that. I mean. I distinctly remember him getting the shield and saying no. So here's my question to you. Both those things are right. Has Hawkeye ever fully recovered from dying in, in at the end of Avengers break, Breakdowns before this issue? No. No. I don't think he has. I don't think Hawkeye's forever fully recovered. He never recovered from after Disassembled. That's what I mean. Because it, basically he's got to carry the weight after that yeah and they never quite let it go even if they're not directly referencing it now you can talk about we're not talking about it from a publishing story selling standpoint because the fraction aja hawkeye series was yeah it's great it was it was a really important thing it was great but it's not hawkeye but the traditional marvel comics hawkeye has never been the same since the issue before this trade i think i would posit I think that's because I think that's generational, though. Like, I don't think ha- that Hawkeye fits into what this world is. Well, damn it, I don't want to live in this world if that Hawkeye doesn't fit in it. You do. I mean, there's a version <laughs> of him we get, and they've tried, but it doesn't. Yeah, you're, this is wow. This is these are we're telling truths. <laughs> so this is, this is hard truths. <laughs> I'm gonna go ponder that. And the nature of existence wow. and where Hawkeye's placed in it. Meanwhile, what you should do is go to ifanboy.com. You can find a post for this show. You can tell us what your thoughts are on the New Avengers Volume 1 Breakout. If you read at the time, if you came across it later, if you are someone who heard the show and checked it out and had never read it before, tell us what you thought about it. It's a terrific, terrific book. Before we get to that, let's finish the show off in the proper style with ratings. <laughs> ratings out of five. It's a tough one. 4.75. Even for its faults, I, yeah. I enjoyed it for its faults in a lot of cases. Yeah, I'm going to go 4.5. Yeah. And uh, sticking with it, are you going to read the next volume? <laughs> yes, I am. Yes. <laughs> I have to buy it, but yes. I have, the, I have the one after. It's the one after that that's going to get tricky. <laughs> so that's your Booksplode for this month, New Avengers Volume 1, Breakout. And we'll be back in two months with the next Booksplode, Undetermined. And next month yep. with the Talksplode Undetermined, but those are the shows that were unlocked at patreon.com slash ifanboy. That's where you can go and help out the show if you want. And we unlock new content like this very show you just listened to. And, of course, every week Josh and I talk about the week's comics on the Pick of the Week podcast, sometimes with special guests. You can find all the action there, ifanboy.com. We thank you for listening. I'm going to go ponder the, the universe in Hawkeye. I don't know about you guys. I'm Connor. I'm Josh. 
I'm not saying he's the linchpin, but something's important. What's a sort of linchpin that isn't quite as obvious? Not like this, Josh. Fuck off. Like this.